It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. So where's the office back at Division? In the office, baby. Going up. We roll out on a frosty Friday here on Rothman and Ice. Get the frosty Bevs going today. Rothman and Ice brought to you by your local Pella window and door showroom on Gemini Parkway. It is Anthony Rothman. It is Maddie Ice Hayes. It is CB in the control room. And we are ready to go. That was one of those games that full admission. I'm talking to my brother at 4-2. I t- and I texted him and I said, night, night, at 4-2, the kid was not confident. And I know that game was going back and forth, but I'm telling you, man, I thought we got lucky to not be down too early. We're up one coming out of the first. I'm like, okay, that's hockey. That's good. It's good to be on the right side of that. But I'm telling you, man, at 4-2 in the third, that's when the night, night text went out. And then I got a, a text back from my buddy Sean that said, after they scored, and I was still watching, obviously. After they scored to make it 4-3 when Boone scored in the blue, he, he texts me back and he goes, Stay in bed, brother. Stay in bed. <laughs> it was unreal last night. But before we get to the jacket, yeah. it's funny. Somebody actually reached out to me last week and asked, Are you guys getting rid of the training day open on Fridays because football season is going to be over after the Super Bowl? And I said, no, 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 not so fast, Lee Corso style. I said, this is going to be a year-round treat on a Friday. So that's the bounce you need, man. You need to hear that to really get you going on a Friday and get us into the weekend. And to me, that's how the Jackets left the arena last night on hydraulics, bouncing some old-school Dr. Dre, (laughs) feeling good about that win because you're right, man. It was a wild ride. Just back and forth, ton of goals scored in the game, 11 total. But, wow, I mean, there's just so many moments that just jumped out to me. And you had the first period there where you just had the power play. There wasn't really anything going. I thought Corpy did some good things. But the Mm -hmm. biggest takeaway yesterday to me was Cam. I mean, Cam not only goes out and scores another shorty, I think that's his, what, 15th all-time, mm-hmm. leads the Jackets in club history in that department, but there were other goals that the Jackets scored yesterday off of Cam deflections, and that's been one thing that I've just wanted to see a little bit more from the guys is just continue to fire away at the net because we've talked so much this year about, man, the other teams that have gone up against us have gotten these bounces just from being around the net, and I think we had two or three goals yesterday yesterday that came off of cam deflection so not only has he been playing well and turning the corner here on the most important end of the ice right now for the jackets but again we're seeing just get the puck there get it home put pressure on their goalies and get other guys around them and we saw a little bit of that last night and i loved it well a lot of things there and i agree with you the corpy was amazing early he was the reason we left the ice after the first 20 leading that game he's absolutely the reason how much fun, though, before I take you on that roller coaster ride and you strap in for every goal, because I'll, I'll go over them in my mind. How fun is it, though, to win a 6-5 game? Something that, we, that I didn't think was possible mm-hmm. this season. 
until the trade, and then we all started believing it was possible. But it was one of those, when you get down to in the... Here's the difference. I was okay with feeling, yeah, this is a high-scoring game, and we might get Lankin in again, or maybe another time. But I was talking to my brother, and I said, I'm just waiting for the next defensive breakdown. Like, we're not winning 8-7. Like, how many goals are we going to give up and still be able to leave a winner? And that's why... We lost the 6-5 game against Carolina, and we win a 6-5 game against Chicago. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to embrace it because I feel like we've been so desperate to find the back of the net. I'm not going to come on now and say, well, I can't believe we're giving up all these goals. Like That's something I think they can shore up, and I'll go over them in my mind, which ones I thought were breakdowns and which ones I thought were just stupid luck. But or ones that maybe were on Corpy, but I think it's fun, and I think we ought to just kind of at least embrace who the potential now of this team. Jack Roslovic has become a guy, when the puck is on his stick, he is going to make something happen. And the most important part about it, he's so poised for a young kid where he picks his spot, and he's been finishing. And that's the cool part. We've had guys that have had good looks, but they fire it right into the belly of the goaltender. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he is now a guy that when he has the puck and he's traveling with it in the slot, patience and poise, nobody really can take it away from him. And he's finding his spot. And it's been huge. And then here's the other thing. To win a game in the final minutes when you're trailing, that's not in our DNA. And I, and, and I, I was thinking, okay, Stay down a goal, that's fine. Maybe we can empty the net and get a shot at this thing. The odds wouldn't be with us. And to be able to, to not only win that game, but win it in regulation. I thought they really I thought they came hard when they were down three one. I really did. I thought I sensed, even though they were down three one, that they felt like we can win this game. Like we're better than them. Like I think they they sense that now yeah. they've got yeah. some skill on that team to bring Cat and Kane. I mean they've mm-hmm. got some dudes. Yeah, they do. And when Lankinen comes to play, their young goaltender, which he did the last time we played against them, when we only scored three goals in two games, mm. and when we just lit them up for six, I think that's what we need to embrace is the fact that if he can get that disjointed feel defensively. Uh, kind of fixed or at least kind of put a tie a tourniquet on that. Yeah. We've got good enough goaltending where we shouldn't, if we don't break down and hang our, our, ten, our guy out to dry, then we're in much better shape than we were before, and everybody knows it. And I remember what I said when they made the trade. I said, I felt that Roslovic could tip this trade. Yeah. And not only that, he's now owned the trade. He's been the best piece of the trade at this point. And it's been incredible to see a young kid. When we had him on the program, mm-hmm. we had him on for 12 minutes, and I asked him about the pressure now of putting on that sweater and playing in front of no fans, but playing yeah. for his, his team that he's dreamed about since he was a little kid. And now to see him rise to that occasion so quickly. Man. And, he's, and in the postgame, Matty, he's so down to earth. Like yeah. he, he is a, He's just a good, solid pro. He and is, it's good man. that he's one of our own, man. Homegrown, and now he's on this team, and he is making a difference, and he won that game for him. Like you said, with Cam coming out, uh, I mean, the fuse was lit for him, and I'll go over the goals next, but 
my goodness, Jack Roslovic. He's he's the lead. He is. He absolutely is the lead. And just going back to the trade and how that was viewed, and he wasn't an, an afterthought. He wasn't forgotten about, but the focus was line A because of what he can do. But that's always something that you, you and I have talked about is keeping our eye on Jack and what is that going to look like. And now we see it, and it absolutely is a weapon that Torch has, and I think that he can rely on. And he's racked up four goals, five assists, and nine points so far mm. as a jacket. And yesterday he scores on the power play with a one-timer there, and I thought Nick did a good job on the boards fighting for the puck, and then Domi did a great job, I thought, on the pass to Jack after he mishandled the puck right before that. So, no, man, I am fully with you on that. It has been such a good thing to see him come in here and play the way that he has played, and I have to imagine his confidence is only going to continue to grow and grow and grow the more ice time he gets and the more he gets to his teammates. But really quickly, though, you're right about, I'm with you on the defensive things because there still are little hiccups that we're seeing Mm. that can probably be prevented if they just lock in a little more because it's something I brought up I think last week is can the Jackets find this happy medium of getting out there offensively and firing pucks away but still defensively still having that identity that they've had over the last few seasons and you touched on that goal that made it three to one in the second period and it looked like to me Domi slipped there when he had a chance to break up that pass on the way uh, to the front of the net and then Chicago gets it. But it's just those little things that happen. We know how how tricky hockey can be in certain spots, mm-hmm. but they have to find a way to really turn this thing around defensively because I'm with you. I think offensively there is some light at the end of the tunnel, especially with Cam now rounding into some form. It's nice to feel like you can win a high-scoring hockey game. That's okay. And I know there were same people who were like, well, and when the game they lost against Carolina 6-5, that you should win when you score five. Well, Carolina was probably thinking the same thing. Chicago was thinking the same thing. And so when you get into a shootout, who cares how you get into it? Just win it. Right. And that's what they did last night. I'm not, I'm not going to go crazy over one game where they give up a bunch of goals. All goals aren't created equal. We know that. It's hockey. Deflections, can't see one, off a crossbar, ricochets this way. Come on. And, you know, and it's funny. Here's the deal. The torch haters will tell you that. Oh, well, he's old school, and he didn't let these guys go, and Wenberg and these guys, and now they're scoring, and, and Duke. and uh, Let me tell you something. When Now that Jack is scoring, nobody's saying a word about, about anything when it comes to coaching. Remember, just remember this. Remember this. There'll, there'll be people that will tell you when they win, it's the players. When they lose, it's coaching. They will con- continually batter you with that narrative. And I'm telling you right now, when they're down 3-1 and they're down 4-2 in the third, don't think that culture plays no part. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, throw it out, don't throw it out casually when you see a pep talk. Watch a team when they're down 4-2 and they still play their butts off and pull out a victory. Don't tell me that, that culture has nothing to do with that. And so if they start working out their communication and chemistry in a weird season, right? In a weird season, in a shortened season, they've got good teams around them, but that played a part. And he's an old-school coach, but I'll tell you one thing he likes is when a, when, when a guy has the swagger with the puck. Yeah. He loves that. He loves to see Roslovic believe that he can carry that puck anywhere he wants and create a lane and finish. That's big time. He will never... 
tie, put the handcuffs on somebody that can do that. And so Roslovic's been amazing. You'll hear from him. Uh, you'll hear from this team when we come back. Kind of go can over I, the goals. Yeah. Let me jump away. in on the culture thing because yeah. I, I think that is big. And you talk about the mentality of a team. And we, to me, I like to credit coaches for that because that's where it has to come from. He's the example of the emotional stuff and how you want to go about things as a team. So we talk so much about torts and how some of his coaching styles may not work for some players or rub people the wrong way or whatever. But to me, what he preaches is go out there and bust your tail and never lay down. And we did see that last night. And I think when you are around that all the time, you can't help but have that rub off on you, whether it comes from the coach or the captain and Nick or guys that have been around for a while they know what it is to be locked in mentally and not lay down in certain spots. And that happened last night in Chi-Town. They've built this over several years. You don't get to pick and choose when you drop your standards or whom you drop them for. That's how you were. If you want it to mean anything, it's like the other day when everyone's saying, oh, give, give Line A some leeway. The same people who were saying give him some leeway are the same people that had no clue what he did or what he said. They had no clue. Right. You know what they know? I love my team. I'm emotional. He's the best shot. Get him out of the ice. I don't care. Right. Those people have no clue how you built this. If you're going to have standards in this lifetime, then you can't bend them just for the best person if you want it to mean anything. And that's what I don't understand, why people can applaud it on one hand and tear it down on the other. And I'll never understand it. We'll come back. Uh, we'll go over this game. We'll talk Ohio State hoops. They have been amazing. Their story, trying to get into this tournament as a one seed. And by the way, we'll talk about this later, because I wanted to bring this up to you. The timing of them being great couldn't be any better. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in the deep dive. We'll have Adam Jardy on today. We'll talk about J.J. as Berman says, what? Give me some Chris Berman, J.J., what? J.J., what? We'll talk about him. Now Houston is, uh, I don't know whether they're taking back their team or their team is departing. I don't <laughs> know which one it is yet. We'll talk about that. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Hot sports takes and 90-second movie reviews from their dumb producer. Now that's, that's a, a recipe, recipe for success. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Weekday mornings at 9. The Fan. They're both former athletes. For a reason. Good thing they can talk sports. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Andrew Peak to Michael Delzano. Jenner now ahead. Here's Stenland with a shot. And he scores. Kevin Stenland put it through the legs of Lankanen with a minute and 14 seconds left and puts the Blue Jackets on top by the score of 6-5. to five. Bob McElligott, radio voice of the CBJ. Kevin Stenland, the big Swede, the 6'4 kid, young kid. I think he's only 24. And ironically, I thought that was a goal that the Hawks should never have given up. I thought that was a bad goal that Lankanen gave up there uh, that didn't get that game in overtime. But good for us, it didn't happen. Um you're right, Maddie. I, I've been, I've been wanting. You know, I've been wanting to put that training day in there forever, and now I think it has to stay because I just got oh, yeah. another text from a buddy. Man says, "Never ever will that opening on a Friday leave." Like I agree, I agree. <laughs> Especially when the weather starts getting nice, it'll be even better. Um, you know, so we'll we'll go over some of this game with you because I think it's worth it because I think it was a fun roller coaster ride, and certainly they came out on 
on the high end of it. And if they didn't, and if they would have lost that game 5-4, certainly would have come in with questions. I know that. We would have come in with these defensive questions. The fact that they rescued the game, I don't want to make it like, okay, all of a sudden we expect six every night. We don't, mm-hmm. and I don't. I just feel like the fun part of that game was when you're down 3-1 and 4-2, you feel like you can come back. That's it. doesn't mean you're going to every time. It's pro hockey. <laughs> you're not going to come back all the time. And they might have gotten to a point where they had to empty the net. But what I saw early on, and by the way, the first goal was great because Cam just jumps off the bench. Like he's pressuring out of the zone. He's coming on the ice for a fresh kill, and he's ready to go. Like his skates are, are going, man. They're sparking. And he's chasing down. He's going to pester the Hawks a little bit coming out of their zone, which I like to see. And Nicky was there to tap it back to him. And yep. here's the thing I like about Cam at that point. The fact that he once he gets that puck on his stick, he picks a spot because that window is going to close on him. There are two Hawks there, and that window is going to close. He's got a great shooting lane, but he has to shoot it from, out, from, from a little deeper than maybe he wanted to. That's high stick side on Lankin, and that's one nothing. That's early on in the game. That's a, short, that's a shorty, and, and that's what I think ignites him now. Is It's like any good shooter. You see the puck going in, and all of a sudden the confidence starts coming. Um. You know, I think the miscommunication, like I saw in the 1-1 goal, Cam and, and Jack, I think they just got a little bit of stop-puck fever, is what I call it. Like, kind of a fast break, to give you the basketball analogy. Stop ball. Like, they want to stop puck. Mm-hmm. And they left the back door open. I think Seth thought that Cam and Jack could slow that play down. So when Seth slides back into the slot, <clears throat> and then he's not there to protect because that puck gets through, that's just miscommunication. They're all just kind of caught on that side. And Seth, I think, was trying to play the ultimate Band-Aid there because he wasn't sure. And then when he thought that they could slow that play down and they didn't, that's it. The 2-1 two, the two goal, the one-timer off the wall that rockets back to a crashing Blackhawk. I can't even remember who it was. Everyone's on the wrong side of the ice. That one I'm going to chalk. There's some luck involved there. You miss the net completely, and it comes off like a rocket, and Corpy has no clue where it is. Before he does, it's in his net. The 3-1 goal, I was not too happy with. That's an easy breakout for them. That's Kane slipping behind everyone. It's the goal you talked about earlier. I thought it was a pretty nice diagonal pass down to Kane through Domi. It's just a timing thing. I don't know. I know you mentioned you thought maybe he slipped. I just thought... That's one of those where you just have to be at the right place at the right time. It was way too easy. They were getting these tap-ins that were way too easy. The late power play goal in the second for the Jackets was absolutely huge because that's the one that makes you feel like you're still in the game. Felino, and it was a classic Jackets goal. Felino goes under, digs it out under the line, sends it around. Seth has to keep that puck in at the point. That's a nice job by him. He has to keep that puck in, goes down to get it. And then we finally see them set up on a power play. Wasn't that nice to see Domi find Jack for that one-timer in the circle to make it 3-2. So I left the ice in the second thinking, okay, you're fine. You're fine. This is the, had a couple breakdowns. You're scoring. And then, and I actually, I, I lied. They, they came out of the second period like they didn't know it had started. Like it, it was awful. The opening minutes of the second and the third were awful. They gave up a penalty late in the second, so I wasn't feeling that great going in intermission. They killed, I think, 35 seconds of it. They had to kill the rest right. when they came into the third. And, you know, DeBrincat just, I can't, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He leveraged Seth off a puck. He did. 
And then when he comes into the slot and puts it right on Patrick Kane's stick, when you have Patrick Kane skating into the, into the left circle there, you give a guy who's close to scoring number 400 in this league that kind of time and that kind of space, you deserve to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You deserve to pay for it. And that biscuit through the gravy, that's 4-2. And that's when my infamous night-night text went to my brother, not knowing we were going to get a power play. And Cam and that second unit with Borky and Jens, I love that give and go with Stens and Cam. I mean, Cam's really smart to snap that one on on Lankin in there from a tough angle because it does matter exactly what it's designed to do, produce a juicy rebound. Mm -hmm. Now, what it takes is a guy going and crashing the crease, which Boone Jenner did. So that was a really smart play. That made it Um, 4-3. I'm trying to think. Okay, the 4-4 four, four, four four gets us the jack score. Yes. Right? Okay, right. So Line A had the breakout. It was a pretty sweet board pass to Cam. Yeah. I don't think like, you may have to go back and look I, at this. It's I, a I, sweet yeah. board pass to Cam from Line A to keep that momentum going. And then guess what they did again? Just throw it on net. Yep. And it deflected right to Jack, and he doesn't miss, which is great. Real quick, because yeah. I, I love that you mentioned yeah. the pass from Lonnie off the boards. That was a dime. But right before that, I thought Delzato did a good job getting the puck off the off the boards mm-hmm. or out of the, the the Chicago's area to Lonnie, which led to that. And I loved at the end of that four four goal. Mm-hmm. What do we cut to? Line A smiling from ear yeah. to ear, fired nice. up with the guys. Because that was a narrative coming into the game. What was he going to look like? How was he going to play? All that stuff. But he's in the moment, fired up for his teammates, and I love seeing that from him. Yeah, a couple more in my mind to kind of finish out the roller coaster ride for you. They ripped us in the neutral zone. It happens. Peak was coming out of the zone. It looked like offside on them. I guess it wasn't. It looked to me live like it was. Um, that's a sweet pass from Kane to DeBrincat. That That's too easy. That's two-on-one, yeah. five-four Hawks. That's just a rip in the neutral zone, and we were dead. Um, finally, though, some really great possession zone time, like really good. Like, I've been waiting all season to see that kind of zone pressure from us. And that's a laser beam from Cam. I mean, an absolute laser that hits the crossbar. And it goes right to Delzato. And Lankin is a little off the spot because he had to come out a little bit. He's not sure where it went. And then he knows it's 5-5. The winning goal in the final minutes, Delzato, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Just great. Quick outlet to Borky. Finds Stens. And Stens has to fight off a back check. He has to fight off a dude. And still goes 5-hole. It's a bad goal given up by the Hawks. Bad goal for their for them. Great for us. There's your six five roller coaster. Yeah, that's as fun as it gets. Now, mm-hmm. I don't care. They gave up. They won a high scoring game. I've been waiting for it for a long time. And and it's great to see Stenland have that yeah. moment, especially coming off the decision of Koivu to retire. Right? We kind of talked to him yesterday yeah. about his potential and what he can do stepping up in those minutes on the ice for him. And yesterday it paid off, and he delivered. Wild game, but I think the biggest takeaway for me is the guys kept fighting, and offensively looks like they found a little bit of something. Uh, your number four ranked Ohio State Buckeyes taking on Indiana tomorrow. Adam Jardy next to break down this team's run. And the run going into March, hopefully. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Unlike your deadbeat uncle, we'll never leave you stranded in a ditch when you were six. This promo may have been a touch too specific. The fan. Your home for hockey and hounds. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice Hayes. We welcome to the program on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline, our friend from the Columbus Dispatch. Ohio State basketball beat writer Adam Jardy. AJ, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you guys today? 
We're doing great. We live in a world where the Ohio State Buckeyes and potentially the Michigan Wolverines will be one seeds in an NCAA tournament that is going to be semi-bubbled in the state of Indiana. I mean, it is, it's almost <laughs> surreal at this point, and we'll get to, to the other stuff, but I wanted to ask you this. Your thoughts coming into this year, we knew that, that you know, Carton transfers, Luther gone, uh, Gaffney, the Wessons. You had four, you know, starting caliber dudes, and then you're thinking about, okay, EJ coming off a great year. Can he turn into a star? Kyle Young, how healthy is he going to be? What has been the thing that's amazed you most from preseason to now? I just continue to be impressed by their offense. Uh, this is a team that I had significant questions about where the scoring would come from. I mean, they had relied so heavily on Caleb Wesson for the last two years. You had guys in this roster that you knew could score, but how did they fit together and how could they get enough offense to win? It seemed like to me this team had a number of guys that you thought, okay, they might be able to score, but they can't defend at all. And then you had other guys that you thought, okay, those guys can maybe defend, but they can't score. I felt like there was such a potential for this team to really, really struggle to score at a high level this season. And instead, they're fourth in the country in offense and uh, show no signs of slowing down. That, that continues to be my biggest surprise with this team. I think one big piece of that for me when it comes to a surprise is the consistency of Justin Arns because right now, right around 47% from three on almost five attempts per game. Were you expecting anything like this uh, from the sniper out there from three-point land? Well, he was one of those guys that I wondered if he could play enough defense for them to keep him on the court to where he could shoot as consistently or, or at least get as many attempts as he's gotten recently. And when you look at, at – what he's given them since C.J. Walker went out with the injury and they moved him in the starting lineup, and he's not, he's not looking over his shoulder wondering if he's going to get pulled you know, quickly. Um, he just looks like such a confident player. And you, you knew that he had the capability of being a really good shooter. Um, to see him blossom like this, it's just, that's another one of those fun sort of surprises uh, from this year. It's just watching a guy like that take that big step onto the big stage and, and not shy away from it. The transfers, Justice Suing, Seth Towns. We knew that Seth wasn't going to be available right away. Uh, he's trying to find consistency and still battling back, certainly from his injury a while ago. But Suing, we know, we knew going into the year that he could kind of maybe put a little something on his shoulders this year as far as scoring. What, is, what has been the impact from Justice Suing in your mind? He's an interesting guy because I think we're still see, we're still watching him maybe figure it out a little bit. Um, you, you look at the game at Maryland, and he only played, I think, 17 minutes, and he didn't score, um, which is unusual for a player with his talent. But he's had some ups and he's had some downs. I think the thing that, that has been maybe most impressive to me about his season is that he's accepted whatever they've thrown at him. I mean, they've really challenged him defensively, and he's not a lockdown defender by any stretch yet, but I, I think you can see the effort is at that end of the court. And he's been willing to move over and, and try to run the point. Um, you know, that's not something he had ever done at like really any level until suddenly, you know, you're down CJ Walker, you're down Jimmy Sotos. Um, okay. Who's going to run the point? Well, let's, let's see if justice can handle it. Um, his willingness to, to take on a role like that mid season while playing in a league, like the big 10, I think is commendable. And that's been a big part of why this team has, has had the success it's had. It's just guys being willing to do whatever their team needs. You mentioned C.J. Walker going down for a short amount of time due to an injury, and now Coach Holtman has him coming off the bench but still getting significant minutes. Do you like how Chris Holtman has reinserted uh, C.J. Walker back into the mix? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think that it enables Ohio State to change the pace of the game. Um, one of the things they talked about when CJ wasn't playing was that, you know, they, they weren't able to really get up the court too quickly on teams. Like they're just, they didn't have a, a burst necessarily. And CJ can provide that. Uh, I, I think that when you're not, when you're not in the game from the opening jump, I think maybe the demands on your scoring are a little bit less. I think CJ is feeling less pressure to, uh, really fill up the stat sheet and he's able to just kind of play his game. I, I think that his role right now really suits him. And I think, you know, if they end up moving it back into the starting lineup, I, I don't think that that would change too much. But I think when you when you can have a guy who can handle the ball like CJ, who can shoot free throws like CJ, and who can just sort of direct things on the court, um, if you can bring that guy off the bench and play him twenty five minutes, thirty minutes, um, that's just that as a testament, I think, to the depth that you have. They've got some depth on this team, like you mentioned. Kyle Young has is popping out, hitting thirty eight percent from three. Did you know he had that in him? <laughs> it's funny. I, I talked to Justin Orange during the preseason for a story, and, and he made a point to tell me that, like, hey, Kyle's really shooting the ball at a pretty high level. And he was pretty confident that, that uh, in their workouts together, he was seeing growth from Kyle and that Kyle could do that. It's something he did in high school. Like, he was a pretty good shooter uh, uh, as, as a prep player. Um, I, I will admit to have basically written him off about 10, 12 games into the season because he was – he was not shooting a very good percentage. He was taking a couple of them, but they weren't falling. And I just thought, okay, that experiment is over. Um, but these last, you know, 10, 12 games or so, uh, you look at him being able to come out and, and hit one or two a game consistently. Uh, that opens things up. And, and frankly, no, I, I can't say that I expected that that was the case because you didn't see it for the first half of the season. One guy that I think has been a pleasant surprise in certain spots this year has been Zed Key, we, whether it's on the defensive end or offensively providing a spark. I think he's definitely give Coach Holtman some good moments uh, this year. How important do you think he is going to be as a young guy the rest of the way? Well, I, I, I think he's important to like uh, basically like the whole segment of the Ohio State fan base. Did you guys see the video on social media of like the little, I think it was like a fifth grader who scored and did the finger guns? Just like <laughs> just like Zed does, like I, I he's I think there's a joy in his game, and there's just a you know you want to play with that guy, you want to watch that guy. I think that he brings some of those sort of intangible things to this team that uh, I think people really admire. Um, and then I mean he's he's a dude. He's got long arms. He's big. He's he's physical. I mean I'm still impressed by the fact that uh, you know I watched him go right at Kofi Coburn and not back down. You know I watched. You know, in that game, the Illinois coaches are screaming at Kofi, left shoulder, left shoulder, like knowing that Zed's going to turn over his left shoulder and shoot that right-handed hook. He did it anyway and still scored on him. Uh, or you watch him go right at Luca Garza at Iowa and not back down. I mean, he's a freshman playing with a lot of confidence and a lot of size. Uh, he's still got to figure out how to do it more consistently. Uh, like the Maryland game was a tough game for him. He'll, he'll have games where he just kind of disappears a little. Um, but the, the future is just really, really bright for a dude like that. Um, when you think about what he could do in a full offseason here at Ohio State. Adam Jardy with us, Columbus Dispatch, as we talk Ohio State hoops, getting ready to take on Indiana tomorrow. We have a, a lot of depth, as we've mentioned a couple times now. Musa Jallo coming back, you know, had the ankle injury. He was back. We like his athleticism, thought he would be able to get to the rack, get some easy buckets. I'm looking at his stat sheet right now. His minutes have either gone from, you know, 2 and 4, sometimes 10, 16, but either way he had four games where he didn't score a point. Now, they didn't need him in three of them because they were lighting it up with, you know, in the 80s twice and almost uh, 80 against Michigan State. But uh, the roller coaster ride of Musa Jalla, what's he bringing right now? 
he's another interesting guy because you, when you look, his minutes and Justin's minutes kind of diverged uh, where Justin started playing significantly and Musa kind of fell out of the rotation for a little while because of what Justin could bring offensively. And uh, Musa is he's probably their best defender. Um, he's a guy that's going to be in there for key moments when they need to get a stop. Um, we've seen him step up in, in those kinds of occasions. The, the issue with Musa continues to be he, he hasn't really been able to develop offensively. This is a guy that graduated high school a year early to, to um, reclassify, get to Ohio State, help fill out that roster. But he, he's dealt with his fair share of injuries. And, you know, last year he takes a medical red shirt. Um, you know, he basically went almost a full year without really being able to do much in the way of jumping and working on his shooting. So he's still an issue at, at the offensive end of the court. I don't know that that's something you can fix midseason, um, but you would really like to see him add like a, a consistent jumper or a consistent ability to get to the rim because, man, is he athletic. And he, that dude, when he dunks, I mean, I think he might be the best dunker on this team. Um, you like to see him out there, and, and you like to see what he can bring. He's just got to continue to grow on that offensive end. You know, man, we talk so much about the players, obviously, and Coach Holtman, but I wanted to ask you about the staff because, you know, at Ohio State, we know, obviously, Coach Day, but there's a lot of, you know, tie into who the assistants are and the roles that they play. And I don't really feel that same vibe when it comes to the basketball coaches that Chris Holtman has under his staff. Kind of talk to me about the roles that they play, which guy covers what day in and day out uh, for Chris Holtman. Yeah, so, I mean, everyone kind of has their own responsibilities, and I, I think a lot of things in this team start, uh, you, you have a guy in Kerry Johnson who Chris Holtman has been very uh, vocal about recently about the dude should be a head coach and he deserves head coaching opportunities. And they haven't, he hasn't gotten them for things that he, for reasons that he can't control. And he's been very vocal about the, his belief, his belief in Terry Johnson at a very high level. The dude's been a high level assistant coach for more than a decade here. Um, but he, he handles a lot of like the, the big guys and, and work down low um, Ryan Peden oversees the offense. Um, he's another guy. I mean, he's turned down head coaching jobs. He's, he's certainly a, a head coach in the making. Um, Chris Holtman has credited him after a number of games for maybe a specific offensive set that they've run or a big bucket that they've gotten has been out of something that Peden has drawn up. And you got Jake Diebler, who uh, likes to joke that uh, he became uh, his wife's like favorite person when he got the job to, to come back to Ohio State because it got to bring them back to back to the state where his family obviously has such a big name. Um, and I mean, he works with, you know, the guards and the wings and um, has really been, um, it's been uh, cited by a lot of guys as far as like helping them develop their shooting capabilities and their offensive game here in the off season. So um, it's a group of guys. They really work well together. Um, you know, Ryan and Terry and Chris have been together for an extended period of time. Um, and you're right. I mean, we talk a lot about Chris Holden, we talk about the players, but those assistants are putting in high-level work and, and get a lot of the credit for why this team's been as successful as they've been. Boy, despite the lack of fans, they have been an, an energetic team and a lot of fun to watch, Adam. Thanks for jumping on with us, man. Enjoy the weekend. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. Adam Jardy on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline talking Ohio State hoops high noon against IU tomorrow. All right, we come back. CB has prepared some over-unders that will dazzle the eye and illuminate the mind. Play along next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. There's only one way to start your day, and that's with the soothing tones of morning juice. Soothing. Weekday mornings at 6. The fan. Rothman and Ice present Overs and Unders. Over-under, underdone. All right, CB. All Went right. off the rails last week trying to be uh, the opposite G Costanza. So 
Yeah, God. that's one way to put it. So the Super Bowl no, props we did, it was Maddie won. He went 3-3. Three and three. AR, you went 0-6. Oh that's right. So. <laughs> went off the rails. I did it on purpose. I threw it. I right. tanked it, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, wait a minute. After that video came out of them practicing, that dude outside the stadium timing the anthem. I did get on text with you guys that it's over, it's done, it's off the board, the thing's going to crash the over. So technically, I'm going to take some points off that one. I never would have bet the under after seeing that vid. All right, carry well, on, it's, a, it's, on, a new, so. it's a new week, and we have the Pebble Beach Pro-Am this weekend. I want to know over, under for the champion at hmm. 18 and a half under. Uh, no ams, by the way, just pros. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen the weather forecast for the weekend. Probably doesn't look good. It looks chilly. Listen, I've watched this tournament a lot. The winner is usually somewhere around 17, 18, 19. It gets to that point. Um, you'll get some no-names like a Ted Potter or a Nick Taylor or a Vaughn Taylor. Mm. Anybody named Taylor might win it. Um, but you get a Phil and a Spieth thrown in there recently. I'm going to go under 18.5, which, by the way, I did change my golf pick last week, too. So I should get points from that as well, but I'm going to go <laughs> under 18 and a half. Vaughn Taylor right now currently tied for seventh at six under Look at that. at Pebble Beach. Right now the leader's coming in at minus eight. So long way to go. It feels like a high number to me. Jordan Speed tied for fourth right now at minus seven. That's who I would want to win, just looking at the names that are high up on the leaderboard right now. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. The number seems a little too big for me. I'll go under. All right. Tonight you have a Big Ten basketball game, Nebraska hosting Illinois. Illinois is a 14.5-point favorite. Ooh, how is that an over-under? Um, trying to diversify it a little bit. All right, Matty. Spreads, baby. Uh, I'll, get, I'll, I'll have Illinois covering this thing. They should blast them. They should win by 20 or more. I just don't know how engaged they'll be, but I'll take the Illini to cover the 14 and a half. I'm going to go the other way. I'll take the points and roll with Nebraska. It's a bigger number. I know Illinois has mm. been really good this year and a fun squad to watch, but something about this game. I think I'm going to roll with the corn. Give me the mm. corn on the Cobb Huskers for this. Mm. All right. Next one up, Steph Curry. He's going to be facing the Nets tomorrow night. I want to know over under 30 and a half points. Brooklyn. You can get whatever you want. You and I can go out there and drop 10 points against Brooklyn right now. Their defense is god awful. It's, it's historically it's bad. Yeah, it's historically bad. You're talking about one of the greatest shooters, if not the greatest shooter in the game, going up against this defense. And he and Kyrie going toe to toe, so he's going to be fired up about that mm-hmm. matchup. Wardell's going crazy. I'll go over. Tag team back again. You and me are going over. He's hit 40, he's hit 57, he's hit 38. The threes are raining now. He's had double-digit threes in his last few games. And like you said, Brooklyn, no defense. I expect Steph to keep doing it and doing it and doing it well. Doing it, I represent doing Queens. It, she was raised it, out of Brooklyn. Doing it and doing it and doing it. Go ahead, sorry. All right, Did Dwayne you? Washington was hot in the last game versus Maryland. I want to know over under 15.5 points versus IU. I'm going to go over, man. I always feel good about going over with Dwayne Washington because here's the one thing we know. He, he's getting the shots up. He ain't going to be mm-hmm. shy about letting them fly. It's, just, it's always been to me about efficiency with him. But where he is right now, he saw it go through at a pretty good clip recently. So I'll roll with over with old Dwayne Washington. Indiana can guard a little bit. They get into these, these games that are a little bit low scoring. They have problems scoring themselves. Dwayne does like not fearful of, of putting it up. Like he'll put up 
He'll put up 10 threes a game, no problem, even if he's, you know, 20%, 30%. We got to get him to 15. Is that what you said? Or I got him to 16? 16. 16. All right, he hit 16 against Iowa. He hit 18 against Maryland. Been in the 20s. I think it's probably one of those games where you would take the over. 16 doesn't scare me. Yep, give him 16. All right, and our final one is for next week's Hockey and Hounds. I want to know over, under, 0.5 dump <laughs> buttons for torts. Okay. First of all, let me give people a little insight on this. And this is what you don't want to bet this now. You want to wait to see their other games before coming on. That's number one. You would never bet this early. And here's the little inside info for you. I think Torts is much more likely to drop an S-bomb if they're winning. Like, I'm telling you, he, he, when he's, when they come in off a loss, He's not going to light it up here. He's not going to treat this program like his locker room. But I think when he's in a good mood, that's when Torts lets the expletives fly, Mm. Kramer. And so I would say I'm hoping they're going to be really good before he comes on. They have two more games until they do. So give me the over. I'll take one. I think he dropped two on Cleveland Radio today, and that was off a victory. And that is some inside information for you guys. Oh, man. I will go under on this, but I think you nailed it. I think I always try to gauge towards his reaction on the games before, especially when we get a Tuesday night game. It's always like, okay, how's he going to be feeling? He's always going to be fired up regardless, but it's always a fun ride. I used to be there, CB. I know how it is, man. Get those thumbs and those fingers ready to fire off that dump button. You never know with torts, but I love it. I say bag the dump button and let it fly. Sure, Make our it real. Would love Make that. it count. Sure, our bosses would love that. It's all right. CB probably in the in the bathroom anyway during the interview. It's perfect. Oh, Let it fly, CB. Put it on autopilot. All right. We come back. Sports Center update. Top of the hour. JJ Watt released after a decade. Why? That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If it's Buckeye football you crave, you come to the right place. And if it's day drinking you crave, you've also come to the right place. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. The hardest working show in the business, or at least at this station, in their time slot. This is Rothman and Ice. Taking what we're given and we're working for a living. I walked into the golf simulator here during the break. A few of the boys here at Little Turtle on a Friday just uh, drinking brews and, and playing around. And I, I opened the door, man. I go, yeah, must be nice. Must be nice. Oh, man. And one of the dudes looks at me and goes, why are you working on the weekend? And I go, it's Friday. And he goes, oh, man, every day is the same to me. I'm like, my goodness. And then I left and said, hey, I do get paid to talk sports. So it's not like, you know, know, I should laugh at dudes. By the way, (laughs) our our great pro Dave McLaughlin just walked in. And I think the gauntlet has been thrown down because our other assistant, Ox, Early, so I get in. I'm I get in early before these guys get in. You know, I have the run of the place. It's like the Overlook Hotel. I'm I'm Jack Nicholson. It's the Shining. I go in, you know, kitchen, all that good stuff. Chef Mike, he knows what I like. And uh, by the way, he's he's. I asked him, how do you make a heart shaped ribeye? Ooh, because that's what they're doing for Valentine's Day. He call in the nation. He calls it like National Two Top Day. That's what it is in the restaurant biz. 
So I already feel like I got the lingo now. National two-top day for the lovebirds that go out for V-Day. And he goes, well, he didn't give me everything, but he had to you do the ribeye and then you butterfly it. And that's how he gets it into the nice heart shape for two. And, and that's what I said to my neighbor, uh, Georgie boy, in the wolf den. I said, hey, let me, uh, can I interest you in the uh, angioplasty for two? I go, let me balloon something over to you. <laughs> He's all about it. Anyway, so back to the story. So Ox, our other pro, comes in, and, he, and he's in here early, and I hear somebody hitting balls in there, and it's not supposed to be open yet. And I'm like, uh-oh, somebody snuck in there. And it was one of the pros, and Ox opens the door, and he goes, did you hear the explosion in here earlier? I go, no. He goes, yeah, just put up a little 318 on the board. Mm. And I go, all right, I don't want to hear it anymore. If you can't impart some of that yardage to me, then I don't want to hear. They keep it to yourself. You know the old saying, when your real life exceeds your dreams, what do you yeah. do? Keep yeah. it to yourself. Right, right. And so I know he's, by the way, he's extended his shaft mm. for anybody that wants to know the magic here. I don't know if it conforms. We'll have to see. We'll put it on the, on the machine to see if it conforms. But, yes, Ox dropped a 318. His swing speed is up. And I got to find some magic this year. So that's Man, your story. I'm jealous. Just lets the me know. The gauntlet is down for you, Mac. You got to come up. You got to beat 318. Can it be done? Yeah. Get on up there. Let yeah. it fly, big dog. No, He's but it's not just saying letting... anything. He's just flexing. He's not saying anything. He's just flexing. <laughs> it's just letting me know how far behind I am in the golf game already. There's dudes getting shots up. I haven't hit a real golf ball in a couple months. I've been doing some dry swings every now and then, but that ain't, that ain't going <laughs> to cut it. So all you guys up there are going to the be dry killing me. and the dry swings. Matty yeah, Ice. Yeah. Got to get in the work however you can, you know? Grinder. Yeah, Got to go full Bryson. Uh, speaking of a guy who can flex, that is J.J. Watt. He has flexed on the Texans. Uh, their offseason, of, their nightmarish offseason continues. And when I think about Watt, and you'll hear from him because he put out his own Twitter statement. Um, you wanted to hear it right from the uh, Watt's mouth, and you will get that. It's a 31-year-old dude who is certainly sensing that the clock is ticking. He was the 11th overall pick in 2011, 10 years in the league. He's got a few more beast years left, he feels, I'm sure. And he fought back from injury. 2018, he played all 16. It was amazing. 16 sacks, first team All-Pro. 2019, eight games, four sacks. 20 This year, played all 16, five sacks. You go back and you start looking at some of his stats from 12 to 15 and where he dominated the league as a 3-4 end getting double teamed. I mean, there's nobody even close in sacks and TFLs and deflected passes. And what I'm sensing here is that J.J. Watt, and I think wasn't he under he was under contract for another year. He's got one more year. Yeah, he had one, one more, more year. year. It's whatever they owed him. The guaranteed money left, I think, was seventeen and a half. And and he wants out. He's not finishing this ride. So if there's and now the weird part is that you thought that he might be. You know, you saw that video with him to Sean and, and you know wasting years, apologizing and, and apologizing, even though you know. I don't know what Houston fans, if you took a poll in Houston right now, who do you blame, the players or the ownership? You'd blame the ownership. Of course. You would. And, I, and as much as I want to play old school here and, and you know, 
say, hey, man, you got a contract. I get it. This guy's fought back. He's put his body on the line, and he played for some good teams there, and now he senses that I'm not going to waste whatever three years left I have in beast mode to watch us win two games. I think what's curious to me about this is not so much the football stuff, but what the heck is going on in that building? Because for us to get to this point to where we've talked so much about the um, Deshaun Watson situation, him wanting out, that was followed up by an all-time great for the franchise and Andre Johnson supporting that decision of Deshaun, pretty much saying, yeah, you should want to get out in Houston. And now we have another all-time great for the same franchise who's gone, released. Mm-hmm. What in the world is going on? Because like, it's crazy that we're to this point. And a lot of the focus has been on Deshaun and the DeAndre Hopkins trade and going back to that and trying to piece everything together there. But now you got J.J. Watt involved. And you mentioned the emotional video where they're walking off the field and he's apologizing to his teammate for not capitalizing on his talents as a Houston Texan. It's crazy to me because there has to be something going on behind closed doors, whether it's with the new GM or whether it's with the owner, mm-hmm. to where these guys are saying, we want out. It's a mess. Whatever it is, we don't know. Maybe we'll get the clarity. Maybe we don't. But the fact that three these three guys, and if you ask 10 football fans who they thought you know was the face of the Houston Texans as a whole, mm-hmm. I think these three names would come up a lot. And for these guys to have this emotion towards the organization is something that I would love to to find out what in the world is going on because these guys are done with Houston. It seems to me that they want no parts of this organization, and that's a really sad thing because I brought up the example when the Andre Johnson tweet. Could you imagine the conversations we'd be having if Joe Thomas was telling Baker Mayfield or Nick Chubb to get the heck out of Cleveland? It'd be craziness, and that's exactly what's happening down there in H-Town. And to me, my mind now goes to something ain't right with the higher-ups up there, and these players are not vibing with them, and they're not going to deal with it anymore. I mean, there's certainly a... I think you, there's certainly a power switch now. It, it, it wouldn't make sense for them to get rid of J.J. Watt at the end of this past season. They'd still owe him $17.5 they got to pay him either way. Now, now they're going to find a trade partner, and that could, that could be... That's going to happen, and then... They, but in their minds, they'd be trading away the top defensive player while Deshaun Watson is still in his prime. He's released, but, though, right? He's just released. Correct? I don't know where. Yeah, I don't know how this is going. Yeah, I guess so. I, yeah, he's I didn't not a know Texan how, anymore, right? He's gone. He's a free agent, right? When they say he's released, well, they're not paying yep, him seventeen and a half million. So they're not paying him seventeen and a half million though to to leave, right? I, I think they have no parts of J.J. Watt anymore, the way that I've been... But, I mean, they don't have to pay him. No, they no. he's off their books, I would think, now. Whatever team picks him up, he, they got to pick up uh, that contract. That one got, year, $17.5 million. I've got I've to look into this because I know he had one year left and the guaranteed money that was left after 2020 was seventeen and a half. And you're right. I guess that was it then. That's it. That we don't have to pay you and you get your freedom. I, I it's a I mean this tells you that Deshaun how are they going how are they going to hang on to him? Yeah. Like no way. Now they have to rebuild. Now they have to actually take it for what it's worth. I don't something I I can't really figure it out myself. I know why he wants out. 
and agreeing to release him is a weird, wild ride. Yeah. I, I guess he sat down with the ownership and decided to do it. We're going to play it for you next. But, um, you know, it's uh, – I mean, he's their best player on that side of the ball in the history of their franchise. Hall of Famer, man. He's going to be a cat in one day, in my opinion. I mean, three three Defensive Player of the Year awards, mm-hmm. and I think that gets you in. I mean, he's been one of the best players on that side of the ball throughout his generation, his mm-hmm. time in the league. To me, that gets you in yeah. the Canton when you start to check off some of those boxes. So that's how sad this is, is because who knows what this is going to look like five, ten years from now, what the relationship's going to be like. Like I'm saying, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but now like trying to piece all this together, it has to come down to ownership to me. The head coach and Bill O'Brien's not there anymore. They've made other changes. The only constant that's there is McNair. And for McNair to come out and say some things today, talking about this isn't the time to address things that are going on with the front office, to me that's a bunch of crap because – you guys should. You guys are the main reason to me mm-hmm. this is happening. So we need to hear your side of the story as to why three of your all-time great players want no parts of the organization right now. So for I think Bob the DeAndre Hamilton, Hopkins thing was the tipping correct, point. Correct. So they need to answer for some of this, and I think the owner, who has been the last kind of remaining piece of this. Needs to answer this. We need to put, or they need to put his feet to the fire down there in Houston because this is just a terrible look for this organization. I can't remember whether it was Shefty or which NFL reporter was throwing it out there that this is the least desired job. It was. There were candidates out there that wanted no parts of Houston. And I'm have to imagine, obviously, with the Deshaun thing, that was big. But I'm sure there's some other things that they're hearing going on behind closed doors that they probably didn't mm-hmm. like and they don't want to do that. Cause if you're a head coach and you're looking at that stuff and you're saying there's a power struggle within the building the owners trying to do his his thing and they keep bringing in guys from new england and people aren't happy about that i don't want to deal with that especially when the franchise quarterback's on his way out so i think there's more to this and i think hopefully we find out more of exactly what has gone on down there in houston because this just can't happen you can't have historically great players poo-pooing on the franchise that they play for yeah we'll come back you'll hear from jj watt we'll make sense of this as far as what Houston saves here with, uh, you know, no cap penalty and all that, yet they're still holding on to the most important piece, and that's the quarterback. How will that shake out? We'll talk about it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. All the dumb things we say are on demand when you want them. Just utilize the computer chip we've implanted into your brain. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Movie references you may not get, even if you saw the movie. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Jumping to speed with T-Mobile. They've been upgrading their network at a record pace. First to bring 5G nationwide. They've merged with Sprint, so they're cranking up the speed, upgrading 1,000 towers a month. That's ultra-capacity 5G. And now that speed is right here in Columbus, so the best network ever is in CBUS. A million square miles of expanded LTE coverage across the country. Find out what it can mean for you to have the best network backing you. More towers, more engineers, more coverage than ever. T-Mobile's with me, should be with you in even more places. Never a better time to jump into the T-Mobile family. Coverage not available in certain areas, so visit T-Mobile.com to learn more. There's a lot of controversy going on on the fringe Maddie, with Watt getting released and Watson being held by the Texans. I, 
I don't know why there's controversy other than I'm sure it opened some eyes that they released him and took the cap money relief with Watt. And Watts, as I mentioned, he was great five, six years ago and had that great run. He's not the same dude. I'm sure he's going to want to get to a playoff contender. We'll talk about that as well. But I'm not that surprised that they're hanging on to the most valuable piece and one of the most valuable pieces in the league. If there's going to be a rebuild and they're going to play hardball with Deshaun Watson, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch play out to see if Deshaun actually holds out and doesn't play for them because you got a young franchise quarterback who's under contract for a while versus a guy who's on the wrong side of 30 with a 17 and a half million dollar cap hit I don't know why people are trying to combine those two and saying well why would they let J.J. Watt leave and not Deshaun really one is the most valuable piece you could ever have the other is an aging, come-from-behind injury guy who can give them some cap relief if they can convince Deshaun to stay. I'm not surprised by it. Are you? No. I think it's foolish that they're going to dig in on this Deshaun thing because I think ultimately Deshaun is going to win out because if we're going to go off everything that Schefter is saying, that he's out. He wants no part of the organization. So I do hope that he gets his G-baby on and plays hardball with them based off of everything that they have done. It just hasn't been, to me, like everything that we've watched unfold a, a, a tightly run ship. And if you're Deshaun Watson, you're looking at that and saying, I don't want to attach myself to this franchise any longer, especially when I've got so much good to give to the game on the field and heck even off the field if you go look at some of the stuff Deshaun Watson is still continuing to do down in Houston if you're JJ I think you're dead on man he's looking around and saying look I haven't won a Super Bowl yet we really haven't done anything significant in the postseason done that much damage in the postseason I'm an all-time great that needs one of these accolades attached to my name and that's doing exactly what we saw Tom Brady and company do and that's winning a Super Bowl so I I just I keep going back to the owner and Bob McNair because a few years ago I remember and you remember too AR where he dropped the he didn't want the inmates running the prison comment and then Mm -hmm. for him to follow up after that at an owner's meeting and say that he didn't need to apologize for that kind of takes you inside of that organization and who is running the show so when you have that go down in your history and then you have things like this come up I can't help but think about the relationship between the players and their owner and maybe Mm -hmm. him doing things that we don't know about that they're not really vibing with we get all the stuff about you know DeAndre Hopkins and all of that but there's something here to me with the owner and who he is and maybe some of the stuff that he does that has that's rubbed some of these guys the wrong way. There's a lot there, and I agree with a lot of it. I just I don't understand the narrative of that they let J.J. get out free, but they're going to hold Deshaun hostage. He is the most important piece, and he's under contract for, what, five years? Like, to me, if you just freed up $17.5 million, that's the way to convince Deshaun to stay is pay for stuff for him. I don't know. J.J.'s best years are behind him. Everybody knows. It doesn't mean that he can't be a one-hit wonder somewhere. He probably could be if he stays healthy. But this is, this is the business side of it for the Texans right now, this release 
is a little bit of a win-win. Because how many good years does J.J. Watt have left? I remember saying to CB a couple weeks ago when he, I think you wanted him with the Browns, and I said, you're giving up that draft capital? You're going to trade for J.J. Watt right now? How much would you give up for him? So don't you, I mean, this has to be where the Texans felt like we'll take the cap relief versus whatever we were trying to dangle out in the trade market, which obviously wasn't much. So the $17.5 million cap hit, um, you know, that's part of where this was a win-win for them, I guess. It just, I understand the guy they gave up. He's a piece of franchise dude. Let's hear from him real quickly. I know, I don't know if we can play it all right now, but let's hear J.J. Watt in his own words. I wanted to do this on video as opposed to putting out a statement or doing a press conference or anything like that because I want you guys to hear it directly from me. I want to speak directly to you and the city of Houston um, so you can hear the words straight from my mouth. Um, I have sat down with the McNair family and I have asked them for my release and we have mutually agreed to part ways at this time. Uh, I came here 10 years ago as a kid from Wisconsin who'd never really been to Texas before. And now I can't imagine my life without Texas in it. Um, the way that you guys have treated me, besides draft night, I mean, you guys booed me on draft night, but uh, every day after that, you treated me like family. And I truly feel like you're my family. Um, since that day, I have tried to do everything in my power to work and earn your respect and try and make you proud on and off the field. Um, you guys have given me everything and more, and I can only hope that you feel like I've given you everything I have. Um, the city of Houston has been unbelievable to me. It's where I met my wife. Um, it's where I've met lifelong friends and my teammates. Um, I've had incredible coaches and training staff and equipment staff and cafeteria workers and the weight room staff and uh, the front office people and people on the streets, people in restaurants and grocery stores and showing up in my house. Um, the connection is special, and I will never, ever take that for granted because I know how rare it is. Um, I'm excited and looking forward to a new opportunity, and I've been working extremely hard. Um, but at the same time, it is it is always tough to move on. And uh, I just want you guys to know that I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the McNair family for giving me, uh, drafting me and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. Thank you, Houston. I love you. All right, that's fine. It was a love you know to the fans of Houston. That's fine. He got to give them the kiss off the way he wanted to. That's fine. He he he's a great great player, and I and I don't I don't want to say that with disrespect. I'm just telling you there was not anything in there that said why, and he wasn't going to because he they gave him the gift of release. Mm-hmm. They didn't package him in a trade and send him somewhere for the best compensation and let him rot his last few years somewhere else that wouldn't challenge for a playoff. Now, they get the cap relief. He gets to pick his final journey, and they give a 10-year guy uh, that kind of a gift. So when he goes into the hall, he'll go in as a Texan. Yeah. And that's why they did it. And that's my my gut on it, that, that he would never have said anything to disparage them in that. Now, when he says, oh, I want you to hear it from my mouth, it makes it sound like there are stories out there and I want to clear them up. That wasn't it. 
Or get that to it the, first, or get to yeah. it before they do. Yeah. That's how I took it. I took it as he wants to get his story out there before yeah. anybody from Houston gets to it. So it's just sad that you're to this point, that you have to hear that guy for that organization make that type of video. So mm-hmm. we'll see where he ends up, man. But if I'm if I'm J.J. Watt, I'm going to wait and see how some of these pieces move around on the quarterback market first before I make my decision. That's what I would do. Marcus Mosier, managing editor of the Raiders Wire of Locked On Cowboys, does a lot of NFL. We'll get his take on it next. And then I'm sure he'll have an opinion on the Dak saga as well. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Love crew soccer? Us too. Let's get married and catch every game together. Proud to be your local home for the black and gold. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Hey. A former country club tennis pro and a high school baseball player. Don't be too impressed. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hayes. We welcome back to the program Locked On Cowboys, Raiders, Wire, Managing Editor. He is Marcus Mosier. Marcus, good to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me back on, guys. All right. J.J. Watt with the I Love You Houston. As you know, sometimes love isn't enough. He gets his release. Is this a... uh, a tribute to an aging veteran who's their best defensive player in franchise history and just saying we'll take the uh, the cap relief and you get to pick your final journey. What was uh, going on? Because we were talking trade with him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I think there was a, a couple different teams that were interested in potentially trading for him. They weren't going to give up a lot with the salary cap number being at $17.5 million. So. I think this is one of the cases where the Texans wanted to save some cap space. They wanted to allow J.J. Watt to get a, a head start on free agency and pick a new team. So I think this was a classy move by them. I know a lot of people on social media are chewing them out for not getting a draft pick here, but when it's the best player in your franchise's history, uh, sometimes it is the right move to make the uh, maybe the, the not smart move here by just outright releasing him. You know, Marcus, you do some things with the Raiders and the Cowboys, but you also do some fantasy stuff, and you write over at the game day NFL covering the Mm -hmm. league as well. So I want to stay in Houston real quick and kind of ask you a fantasy perspective tied to Deshaun. Have you pointed out a location you would love for him to end up at based off of just kind of a fantasy angle? Because we know he's a great player, but is there anywhere you could see him potentially getting traded to that you would love in the fantasy realm? Yeah, absolutely. It's the Denver Broncos, right? They already have the weapons in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Uh, they've got speed with KJ Hamler. They've got two really good tight ends, uh, with Noah Fant. They have a couple running backs that are pretty good there. So you put them in that Denver offense with weapons all over the place. And I think that automatically makes some of these guys, uh, super relevant fantasy, uh, you know, weapons, especially Sutton and Judy. Uh, John McClain, not the one from Die Hard, but the guy that's covered uh, the NFL for the Houston Chronicle for more than four decades, went on sports radio in Houston and that the Texans are going to play hardball behind the scenes about not trading him. Now, I think that's smart because they know they have such a valuable piece, and the more you say that we won't give him up, the more the teams that want him will say, well, we're going to have to convince you. And so my question to you, Marcus, is will they be convinced and how much will it take? 
I think it's a smart move by the Texans as well. You've got a top five quarterback in the NFL, and those type of players are just nearly impossible to find. So unless you are completely blown away you know, with an offer, there's really no reason to move him. Watson's not going to sit out the season. He's not going to retire. He's not going to do anything like that. So why not wait until we get closer to the draft or even wait after the draft when teams, you know, maybe miss out on a top two or three quarterback in this class. So I think it's incredibly smart. I think ultimately they will get, you know, an historic haul for, for Watson. Maybe it's four, maybe it's five first round picks plus extra players. So I, I think the Texans, this is one of the only things that they're doing uh, smartly right now. Wanted to stay in the state of Texas with you and get to the squad that you talk about a lot in <laughs> Dallas because there's been so much, you know, noise about quarterbacks moving around this offseason. A lot of people are excited about that, but the Dak thing is still there and it's kind of in the same spot it was a year ago. I wanted to ask you though about the relationship now between Dak and the front office. Is there any worry amongst Cowboys fans that the relationship is going to get to a bad stuff? Cause you know, the business side of things is the business side of things, but mm-hmm. we're seeing now with Deshaun that relationship stuff does matter it does matter is there any worry now that Dak and his company and his brother and all of that may be really starting to look at the Cowboys with a side eye here it's a really good question and this is the way I would say it Dak in his relationship with Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones is excellent Uh, he loves being a Dallas Cowboy he loves his teammates he loves that front office now his agent Todd France and Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones uh, I wouldn't say that same love is there. We've heard a couple in the last couple of weeks that uh, France and Stephen Jones have not spoken at all. Uh, it was actually Jerry Jones that had to step in late in the negotiations the last time they talked. And it sounds like it's going to be another situation where we could go months without these two sides talking because there's just so much animosity between Todd France, the agent, and Stephen Jones, the one that's doing the contract. But for Dak himself, uh, no, he, he loves the Joneses. You know, it's interesting with all the shuffle and all the quarterbacks talking right now, and I saw a, a headline out of the Dallas Morning News that, that was claiming that the Cowboys should just read the room of NFL quarterbacks before actually signing Dak Prescott. Do you think there's any validity to that? I don't know. I just feel like Prescott is one of the top seven, eight quarterbacks in the league. He's a perfect fit in the system. Mike McCarthy loves him. You've got an offense that's ready to go. Just pay him and get over. With, you know, get out of this uh, this whole news cycle. You know that he's a, a great guy in the locker room. Just pay him and move on and worry about fixing your defense. Because if you have Prescott and you have that offense, you're going to have a chance to compete in the NFC. So why are we waiting around and, and playing? You know, playing this out. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Wanted to ask you about former Buckeye Ezekiel Elliott because came into the league shredding defense is just absolutely going crazy. And now we're kind of to this point to where you're not seeing that same production for whatever reason. And that's what I kind of want to ask you about maybe clear up for us is what's going on with, with Zeke right now and maybe some of the production that slipped over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, so this is a a really touchy subject for Cowboy fans because they believe that Ezekiel Elliott is still a top two, three, four running back in the NFL, and that's just not the case. So the offensive line has certainly uh, diminished since early on in his career, since that 2016 season. But this is just kind of what happens to running backs, right? They start off really hot, and the more touches they get, 
they start to wear down. And you're seeing it with Ezekiel Elliott. He only had three carries all season long of 20 or more yards. Uh, as a rookie, that was like at 20. He just doesn't have that same burst. He doesn't have the same long speed. And unfortunately for the Cowboys and Cowboys fans, 2021 is the first year of the six-year extension for Elliott. So uh, it's pretty clear that he's a declining player now, and the Cowboys are kind of stuck with him. Marcus Mosier with us as we talk NFL with him. Uh, Russell Wilson's making a little noise here. I know he's under contract with the Hawks for another three years. He's got a no-trade clause, just like Deshaun. So if, if they did want to answer the phone, he could choose where he wanted to go. Do you believe they are answering the phone? No, and I think this is just Russell Wilson's way of telling the front office that he needs some help, right? It's time to invest in the offensive line. It's time to maybe get him some more weapons. You know, last year they went out and spent two first-round picks on a box safety in Jamal Adams. I just think it's time as Russell Wilson ages and he's getting a little bit older in that Seattle offense that they need to do a better job of protecting him. And I think he's wisely using the media to his advantage. And I don't think we're going to see him move anytime soon. Uh, I just think it's a, a nice little power play from Russell Wilson here. The Pouncey brothers announced their retirement today, and they're obviously not going to run it back for Pittsburgh. At least one of them won't run it back for the Steelers. What, how are you feeling right now about what Pittsburgh may look like next season? We know Big Ben's got that huge cap number and all of that stuff, but where are you right now with the Steelers' future in the next couple of years? Yeah, it's rough. This is one of the years that Pittsburgh knew was coming. You know, all those years they were competitive, but now they've got a roster that just needs to be completely torn down. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva, their left tackle, is scheduled to become a free agent. David DeCastro has a huge cap number. Their right guard, Pouncey, obviously retired. Uh, their running backs are all free agents. Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent. So, uh, it's going to be a rough year for Pittsburgh. We'll see if Ben Roethlisberger comes back, uh, but it's pretty clear Pittsburgh missed their window, and now it's time for them to start rebuilding. Marcus, great stuff. Always appreciate your insight and having a conversation with you about the NFL. Thanks, pal. Be well. Yep, thanks, fellas. Thanks, Marcus. Marcus Mosier, managing editor, the Raiders Wire, Locked On Cowboys. He was on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. We'll come back. Buckeye Bulletin, a certain player on the basketball Bucks has found his spot on the court. In fact, his production is double from where it is versus the other side. We'll tell you who it is next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. We know everything about you. We know you love the Buckeyes. We know you love the jackets. We know you're wearing a red shirt. I just freaked the hell out of someone. The fan. Rothman and Ice present... Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the chill? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train furnaces, including 0% APR for 60 months. All right, Buckeye Bolton time. EJ Liddell, named to the Naismith Trophy midseason team Mm. for Men's Player of the Year. That's one of 30 players, so they put 30 on the midseason team for Men's Player of the Year. And that's quite a recognition. I know that's not giving him the award, but when you're talking about and he plays in the deepest conference in America, and now he's gotten a taste of being recognized, leads them in scoring at 15 a game, hitting the boards with 7 a game, leads the team in blocks, he's second on the team in steals. Like 
He is living up to everything they thought he could be this year, Matty. No doubt. I mean, he absolutely is is just turning into a beast, and it's happening quick. And we saw flashes a year ago as a freshman came in here and got it going and got some tick, and you liked what you saw. Maybe he, you know, with the Wessons around, he couldn't fully develop or didn't get a lot of touches or whatever it was because those are veteran guys that had to get theirs, and especially Caleb with the way he worked from the inside out, even though he started to sprinkle in some of the three-point stuff last year. But now it's all EJ. It's all EJ and Kyle Young down low making it rain from the post and the mid-range, and we've seen them do some things from the three-point line in, in certain spots. But this dude, man, for the most part, has been such a consistent consistent player all year long he's had a few games where he's only scored in single digits and hasn't got to double digits but before the last game uh, against Maryland he was ripping off a handful of games 16 points 20 points north of 20 points again so he is that guy now that I think a lot of people point to as maybe Ohio State's best player even though I think he's got guys around him that can help him out on the offensive end of the floor but no doubt he has earned this recognition and I think there's going to be a lot of this to come for EJ Liddell because he's just getting going this is a stat from uh, dylan burkhart who says that ohio state guard Dwayne washington shoots 47 percent from three when he's on the left side of the court and 26 percent from the right side of the court mm. well, everybody's got their spot and i don't I, I mean everyone's got their feel now i don't know you'd have to really if you want to do a really deep dive you go into every single one of those shots and you see which ones were contested, which ones came off screens, which ones were, you know, uh, dribbling into the shot, which ones were catch and shoot. And maybe you could really diagnose, is he getting better looks from that side versus the other? But most guys who have ever played hoops do have a feel. They just do. I mean, the greatest shooters can, can shoot from anywhere. But some guys do when they float down the court, and he's the primary ball handler, and he kind of creates a little opening for him, or somebody sags off of the the three-point line, and then he sees an opening and pulls the trigger, which is what I've noticed lately, is that he's finding his spot, and it just happens to the stars align, and he's getting better looks on the left you know, wing out top to the left side of that three-point line. And in my mind, now that I hear the stat, I can almost see him doing it. So he's forty six or forty seven percent from the left side, twenty five from the right. You buying it? Buying I am. into it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it matters. We see this all the time in sports, right? Especially in baseball, some guys hit better off lefties and righties. Some pitchers pitch better against lefties versus righties. So everybody has a feel, and you just got to get to your spots, like an NBA Jam man. Get to those spots <laughs> and rack up those points and do what you got to do. But he is a bucket getter. He is in that category, like kind of like a J.R. Smith, right? Watching him with the Cavs and just letting them fly. But that's what you got to live with with a guy like Dwayne Washington. Some games he's going to come into it with a ton of shot attempts and knock them down some games you're going to get a 2 of 14 or a 2 of 17 or whatever from Dwayne Washington but the thing that I like about his game is that he's confident he plays Mm -hmm. with a ton of confidence and he knows his role and I think his role is that guy he is that guy on the offensive end of the floor because he does it from all three levels get to the rack mid-range and can make it rain from the three-point line every once in a while so I've always enjoyed his game since he came to Ohio State because he is that spark plug I think and now you pair him with EJ Liddell and you get the offensive output we've got from the Buckeyes this year. Really important game tomorrow for both teams. Ohio State wants to keep solidifying and cementing their chance at a one seed. Indiana wants to convince that they can beat someone 
other than Iowa. And the Hoosiers are making a little bit of a run here. Uh, and so Ohio State, they're cruising five in a row now, eight of their last nine. They're shooting well. They can hit from deep. They've got a lot of depth. And all of a sudden they're cutting down on turnovers lately, a part of the winning streak. So they're playing really well. And they're playing defense. They are. I saw that six of the last nine teams haven't been able to hit 30% from the outside against them. Love it. Love it. Bad shooting night or defense? Probably, probably a, a lot of, of defense. Yeah, yeah probably, probably a little, a little bit, bit of both. both. Yeah. CB, you got a line on this game tomorrow at high noon? No, unfortunately, college basketball is pretty wow. late in getting lines out there, so there's nothing official yet. Yeah, they got a million games tonight. You're right. That's why it never goes. I'll probably say that Ohio State will be favored by... I'll go four, maybe? Yeah, I was going to say... Yeah, I'll add a hook in there. I was going to say Ohio State probably wins by. They probably win by seven. They're probably favored by four and a half. Does that make sense? Just to me. Yeah. All right. That is today's Buckeye Bulletin. Sixteen and four against eleven and eight tomorrow at Value City. Uh, the value you can get with T-Mobile is now, and this is a network that has merged with Sprint, and that has been huge stuff for them. It means the best network ever is here at Columbus, a million square miles of expanded LT coverage across the country. You've seen the ads. They're everywhere, and they're real. Spectacular and real. Now they have more towers, more engineers, more coverage than ever before. T-Mobile's with me, should be with you in even more places. Jump into their speed. They were the first to bring 5G nationwide. Now they're cranking it up with Sprint, upgrading 1,000 towers a month with ultra-capacity 5G. That is speed, Columbus, and you know about speed. There's never been a better time to join. Coverage not available in certain areas, so visit tmobile.com to learn more. Sports Center update, top of the hour. We continue with Buckeye Hoops. And as I mentioned at the very beginning of the program, the timing may not be better for this historic run. We'll talk about it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. All right, welcome back in. Third hour on a frosty Friday. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Uh, went over heavily on the jackets earlier. We'll probably throw them back in because it deserves it at some point here in the dive. Play a little truth. We'll have Jay Morrison on, Bengals beat writer from The Athletic at 233. And I said to Maddie before the show that this little great story that Ohio State basketball has become this year, a team that was expected to make the tournament, probably be around a five seed in a very deep Big Ten, is now they now have their hands on a one seed. Can they hold on to that? And then I added this to Maddie today, and I know it kind of raised an eyebrow for you. This fun little story is one of those that now I'm starting to believe is one that you don't take lightly. And I don't think they are, but I don't think they'd admit, right, maybe the players would. The coaches really probably wouldn't dive into this too much. This is the year. If you are going to be and catch lightning in a bottle, there isn't a more historic year to do it. Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, Michigan State, the Q's, the Bruins, Louisville. Maddie, 
these behemoths of college basketball are and also ran for the big dance. Now, the other part about it is, and you know this this is good and it stinks all at the same time. I don't know if they're going to be able to have any fans at these games in March Madness. And I don't know if they've even talked about what that's going to look like. The the priority is to keep it safe and have a tournament. And maybe they could. But we're used to regions and locking into sites and, and where are we going to go and will we have a home court advantage? Can the fans travel? Can they drive there? You know, you go into bluegrass country, you got to take on Kentucky, you know, and there you got to play Kansas and Kansas City and you know None of that exists. It's all just basketball. And it's a state away for Ohio State. A place where they're used to going. And I just started thinking about these teams, these these basketball royalty in this country, in college, has evaporated in front of our eyes. And, we, and I just woke up to it because of football ending. And you're we're sitting here and the programs that I just mentioned may not even make it. And so if you're going to be great, not only is it fun for Ohio State to think that they have a shot at getting to the final four, but this team that was supposed to make the tournament and then we'll just quote see what happens may be able to do it without running into the true blue bloods of college basketball. Now, we know the Zags have made noise, a lot of noise lately in the tournament. But when you think about the teams I just mentioned, Kentucky 5-13, and 13, Duke 7-8. and eight. I mean, this is unheard of in my lifetime, that all of them at the same time are just – Average. Yeah. And it makes Ohio State dream even bigger than they've ever imagined, I think. There's a real opportunity here. Like, who knows what the matchups against Gonzaga, who you mentioned, and Baylor, who you mentioned, who have been doing some great things on the hardwood all year. Who knows how you match up against them? But you got to feel good about your opportunity this year because it's a one-off, man, once you get in the tournament. We've seen so many updates, um, excuse me, upsets throughout the year when we get to March Madness, and that's the reason why a lot of people really enjoy the tournament. And Ohio State right now, with the confidence that they have, the talent that they have, and led by that coaching staff, they should feel like, hey, we step out on the hardwood, mm-hmm. man. We can beat anybody in the country. That should be their mentality. But it is strange, really weird, to see this happening. And when you brought up this topic and I started thinking about how I felt about it, I zoomed out and I thought, well, maybe college basketball is in a bit of trouble here when it comes to some of the top high school prospects not wanting to go to college. Because remember now, these guys have not only the opportunity to go overseas, but they've got an opportunity to attach themselves to the G League out of high school and make some money out of high school. Not crazy money, but they're looking at that and saying, we can get ourselves closer to the NBA, go into this G League developmental program, make some money, not have to go to classes and all of that stuff, and then go to the NBA sooner rather than later. So that option, I think, really has a chance to haunt college basketball if we see more and more of these top prospects in high school saying, 
That's the route I want to take. We've seen it over the last couple of years where a few guys have done that. We've seen it in years past where Brandon Jennings has gone overseas and there's been other guys that have made decisions like that. But I do think that college basketball in the NCAA should be on notice a little bit here with what's happening because if this is going to start to work mm-hmm. out for a couple of these guys and they're going to start to spread this out, that this is the route that you should take, you shouldn't waste a year not making money and you should go do this in this G League developmental program, then in my opinion, I do believe that more of these guys are going to go on to do something like that. Yeah. It's a really good thought. And I don't, I, you'd have to go really deep in, into figuring out how much of that is the case. But right now in 2021, in a very unpredictable NCAA tournament that we have no idea, you know, the only music that's going to be playing is you know, on your TV from CBS and the others. I don't think they'll be letting bands in there and all. I mean, who knows what it's going to look like. Only 11 of the top 25 teams before they closed last season, the tournament, only three of the top 10, Gonzaga, which was number two in March, Baylor, which is number five, and Nova, which was 10. And things are just off the rails now. And that's why... I believe the nation has not opened its eyes to Ohio State. And that's okay. Stay under the radar as long as you can. You're in the best conference in America. And I think we're more caught up in who's not in Mm -hmm. than who's in. Yeah, And that's human nature. That makes sense. Because of the teams I just mentioned. You you you're not going to believe it if you're going to have a tournament without those teams. (laughs) You won't you won't it won't even I mean they're a fixture. Now, I told Dockage the other day that, and I don't think he really believed it, that there are nine teams in Vegas right now that have better odds of winning it all than Ohio State, and a team that they they just beat in Iowa is one of them. Mm -hmm. Illinois is above them. Michigan is above them. Like, Michigan hasn't played in three games. And I think they're going to play Wisconsin this weekend. I think they're finally coming out of their deal. But, And we'll see how Ohio State finishes it off. Because now the pressure of holding on to the one seed, I think, is fairly real. Because I remember when CB asked us a week ago, he said, all right, you know, gun to the head, what's their seed? And I think I went two. And I can't remember what you said, but... When you see a number one in bracketology in front of your name in mid-February, that means something. Mm-hmm. That that means something. That's yep. something you want to hang on to. They're all yep. going to Indy, or they're all going to Indiana, so it's not about that. It's not about region. It'd be nice to take on teams that had to travel a little further, and you know, Ohio State might feel a little comfort in Indianapolis, wherever they play, Big Ten country kind of feel. But my goodness, there's a there's a there's a feel now of not only, hey, let's worry about ourselves, let's just be the best team we can be, but it's impossible for anyone to ignore the teams right now that aren't that are on the outside of this tournament looking in at this point. It's crazy. It is wild because it's funny because if we shifted to college football for a second, could you imagine if we were having conversations mm. about the college football playoff in huh. Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, aren't even in the That's top six? That's the equivalent. Six. Right. That That's is what it the is. Equi- You're right. I can't even get there because of 
that's just been the constant. And I think now, to kind of go to your point, because I'm with you, it doesn't have a feel of that this squad maybe gets a, enough I don't know, respect. I don't know if I want to use that. Enough attention nationally. Yeah, they're I respected think, in the polls. For sure, the, absolutely. But attention, I don't know if they've gotten that just yet. But I do think that will happen because there's three measuring sticks on the way out, on the finish line here. Michigan, Iowa again, and then Illinois. And I think if Ohio State racks up a couple dubs against them, then people will start to take notice as far as who they are and what they can be in the tournament. But they can't worry about that. They got to just keep doing what they've been doing. And you and I and everybody else outside of the building will talk about what we think they can be. But there's no doubt. We are to a point now to where this is a squad to where we should be looking at them with a, a real good shot of making a lot of noise in this year's dance. This is your time to do it. Don't take, I know they're not taking it for granted. And I know they're only worrying about themselves and playing one game at a time and all that. I get it. And once we see the bracket, everyone will peek down the road and see what it looks like. But you can't tell me that you can ignore right now, today as we speak, that you may be playing in a tournament as a one seed with no Kentucky, no Kansas, no Carolina, no Duke. You cannot tell me that you're ignoring that. You can't. It's impossible. And so we'll see what happens with Ohio State. they got a real tough schedule on the way out. Going to play Iowa again. Going to play Michigan. Going to play Illinois. And we'll see if they can hold on to it. But at worst, my goodness, even if they implode, they're probably a three. So they're going to have a great chance to do this. And here's the, here's the other great irony, and you just mentioned football, and it's a fun analogy to make, is that there's another team above them in, in the betting right now, and it's actually Alabama. Like Alabama basketball, until, and I think recently, I'd have to go back and look at Bama's schedule. I think they just lost, I think they just, I think they lost at Missouri. But, and they've got a a second year coach, and all of a sudden in Tuscaloosa, it's, they're dreaming of hitting the daily double, Mm -hmm. like Florida did. (laughs) Yeah. Like they're, they're dreaming of, I mean, because you don't hear that at Bama. You hear it at Florida. You'd like to believe it at Ohio State. Mm hmm. But at Alabama, they're thinking, what are they, 16-5? and five? Like, they are, let me see what they are to win it all, Bama. Like, Ohio State is 18-1 to one to win it all. There are nine teams ahead of them. Bama's one of them at 15-1. to one. Crazy. Isn't it crazy? crazy? It yeah. is. So, this is not just a historic year from the bubble standpoint and what Ohio State is doing right now and the feel of them becoming a upper-tier Big Ten team to maybe the Big Ten team or one of them going in, now you combine it with what that bracket may look like, and now you're thinking, don't make this a season that might have been. Let's not talk about, oh, remember that time we were the one seed and all the behemoths weren't in it and we didn't make it to the Final Four? Yeah. Like, Now, that's not something they're thinking about. But right. the fans certainly are and probably should be because it's human nature to do it. It's amazing. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. I mean, the opportunity is there. Can't worry about who's in, who ain't in, and all, all that right. stuff. Just go out there and hoop, man. They've got a real yep. chance to make some noise and hopefully make some history. Yeah. And I'm not – listen, they, beat, they were supposed to beat Maryland. It's not a big win. It's a win that keeps momentum and keeps confidence and – keeps everything kind of cooking in the right direction. I'm not foolish enough to take every time Ohio State takes the floor, that's a big win. 
It's not. Beating Iowa, beating Wisconsin at their place, regardless of fans, beating Illinois, putting up almost 90 against Illinois and Iowa on the road? Mm-hmm. That's real. Mm-hmm. And that's who this team has become right now as they head into their final six games of the regular season. All right, we'll come back. We'll play a little truth. Rothman and Ice on the fan. The fan is live and local with morning juice. Caffeinate and dominate. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Hello? Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, lay it on us. All right, so this past season in fantasy, most leagues took Aaron Rodgers outside the top 10 of quarterbacks, but he had the second highest average points per game uh, streak in the season ever. I want to know, is he a top five quarterback pick next year? Top five QB pick. Okay, so Mahomes, Lamar. Kyler. Josh Allen, I'd go first. Kyler's a lock, top five. It's the rushing. Well, i got to find out where Deshaun's going, too. So, in my mind, Mahomes, Lamar, Josh, Deshaun. And then it's probably Kyler or Rodgers. And you're right, the rushing is there. Oh, my goodness. It's so hard to know on that one. There's, There's such a feel... For uh, Rodgers being a, a safer, but you're right, the more tantalizing one is Kyler. If I was forced to make that pick and I had to take a quarterback right then and there, I would probably err on the side of Kyler, barely. So the, so the truth is no, he's not yet. To me, I would rather have Kyler all day long. He brings a whole new element to fantasy that Aaron Rodgers doesn't at all, hardly. So, I mean, he can do it, but nowhere near to where Kyler did it, where he's just racking up so many yards. So I think he'll be right there on the outside looking in. And I think a name like even Justin Herbert's going to be hot, too, for a lot of people. They may be tempted by Mm -hmm. that as well, coming off the year that he just had, too. So uh, he just won the MVP, and he's... A lot of people are going to want him, but I think all the guys that AR laid out for sure uh, will be in the top five. And I, man, I, w- I want Kyler. That's the dude I would want. Just find out right now today is true. All right, so Trevor Lawrence moved up his pro day to today because he needs surgery on a torn labrum on his non-throwing shoulder. So he should be out until about mid-May, maybe going into June. Do you have any concerns if you're Jacksonville? I don't. Uh, to me, I, I wouldn't be that worried a- about it. I mean, what, Tom Brady's having surgery on his knee, and uh, it didn't really affect him playing. Mm-hmm. I think as long as they take time with this, he'll be good. I'm not worried at all about this when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. No, I mean, he worked out for a lot of personnel. He worked out for Urban Meyer. And so, I don't. I, don't, I mean, he had planned to throw, like you said, on the pro day in March. Let's move things up. Uh, he finds out he's going to need surgery on a non-throwing shoulder. All the doctors that have reported in or that I've read have told him he should be able to throw within six to eight weeks after the surgery. So, no, I'm 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 not concerned. This has nothing to do with his throwing shoulder. I think that would have tipped it for me. He ain't lying. All right, so we already mentioned J.J. Watt has been released. I want you to make your call now. Hmm. Where does he sign? Huh. Make the call. I is there odds out on this? IBM presents. You make the call. <laughs> yes, currently the, the Packers. The Packers school. are currently the favorite. Okay, that was. I cool. love the Badger going back to to whiskey. I love that. That's a great pick. In fact, that one seems like it checks both boxes: contender, playoff run, and back to the old stomping grounds in the Badger State. 
that that's better for me than the teaming up and turning up the wattage, turn up for Watt with Pittsburgh, with TJ. They can't make it happen I'm, anyway. They're he'd in cap have to hell. play for next to nothing. They're in cap hell. There's no way that the Steelers are going to – I don't want to say no way, but it, it would be really hard for them to do that. I like Green Bay. You mentioned him going to University of Wisconsin, born in Wisconsin as well. So absolutely some ties there. But I want to take a trip to the land of Petty, a place that I thoroughly enjoy because I'm all about revenge. And right now, there's a squad that ranks third in the league when it comes to cap space. And that squad is the Indianapolis Colts. If you want revenge, J.J. Watt, they got the money for you to make that happen, my man, because you would see them twice a year in your division, and that would be incredible. They've got a solid defense already. Could you imagine a defensive line with he and DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard running behind them like a madman, one of the best young linebackers in the league? J.J. Watt, please be petty. Go to the Colts. I would be surprised. It's overrated. Let me just chime back in again. I'd be surprised because we haven't really pinned down our teams yet, Um, even though I did say I love the Packers. but And you you were saying that you would bet on him going to the Colts. He just gave the I love you kiss-off letter. Then he's going to slap him in the face? Like they, well, not they, well, not the city, but the front office. You would have punched them in yeah. the face, no doubt. Like well, I, they, I, they did give him the release. The fans couldn't. The city couldn't give him the release. The fans couldn't give him the release. The ownership did, and so yeah, uh, I'm just saying that there's something to that there. Um, oh, I don't. I, I don't think so. I think if I'm upset enough at, at the front office, that's who I want to get after. I want them to have. Doesn't to sit his up wife and, play soccer for that team in Chi Town? That is correct, yes. I don't know. I was just saying I would want that front office bobbing there to be having to look down on the field at me twice a year and me sacking whatever quarterback they're going to have, not Dame Deshaun Watson. That's what I would want. That's not not very loving to the fans. He told the fans he loved them. Well, to me it ain't about the fans. It's about McNair's. No, I know. It's about him. (laughs) But he told the fans, I love you. Yeah. The Houston, their, their fan base not, is going to be in rebuild mindset anyway. They're going to be tearing it down. They're not going to be expecting anything. So. What about staying in Texas and playing for the Cowboys? They do need defensive help. Yeah. I like that. They do mm-hmm. need defensive help. Said he loved help. Texas. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at that one at all. NFC? I know CB's dreaming of the Browns trotting him out there opposite of Miles Garrett. Mm. I mean, I know that's what he wants. I'm not putting them way up there. CB I, wants every. He has to pick a team that's going to that in these final years. It has to be Green Bay. It has to be uh, Buffalo. Indy. I want you to warm could up be Indy. It could be Tennessee. Right. Ooh, Reunite ooh, with Braves. Like, like it's got to be one of those teams. So I'll just I'll just have fun with it. Put my money on Green Bay. All right, so there's a big pizza debate going around, at least in Ohio, the last couple of days, and I had to bring it to the Pizza King himself because the Ohio Valley style, which is, you know, you bake the layer of the pizza and then you put the cold cheese and toppings on top. Are you in or out on this? Uh, When I first had it, I hated it. I I really didn't understand it. I thought that they made a mistake, and I was going to walk it back into DiCarlo's and say, what's going on here? Which one of you flunkies forgot to cook my pizza? <laughs> um, then I realized where I was. The Chicago kid was way out of his element. Yeah. Uh, the answer here is, no, I'm not really that into it, but I'll eat it. I don't crave it, but I haven't had it in a while. And so here's the problem. I'm a crispy guy, mm. and I, I like everything kind of well done. 
So if there's a way to do it where you could really crisp up that crust really nicely, and then I guess you can drop it on later, we could do it, we could try it. But I know the pep is, is just cooked but not in the oven. So the truth is I'm out right now, but I can be pulled back in Godfather style. I am going to hit the caps lock button and type in O-U-T because completely out on this. Make pizza the way it's supposed to be made. Heat up everything. Melt those ingredients together. Get the cheese nice and ooey-gooey. Get the crispy Mm. pepperonis on top that may curl up a little bit when they get crispy. That's what it's all about. I am completely out on this. If you have this at a party, I might try to throw it in the trash. Hey, we teach you how to do it. We stick your hands in the dough. You put on the toppings. We can't have people sticking their hands in an 800-degree oven. It's all supervised. (laughs) We'll come back. Jay Morrison, Bengals beat writer from The Athletic. Find out what he thinks they should do in the draft. Rothman and Ice on the fan. The only radio station allowing one of their hosts to talk about human flesh consumption. Okay, probably not the best idea. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. They both like to go to raves with the Bosa brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hayes. And we welcome back to the program the Bengals beat writer for The Athletic. Bobcat himself, Jay Morrison, Jay Mo, back in the house. How you been? Uh, great. How about you guys? Pretty good. Are uh, Cincinnati fans beating you up about the team should go after J.J. Watt now that he's available? Uh, no, not too much. There, there yeah. were a couple inquiries on Twitter, but uh, I think most people realize that's not a fit. Number one, J.J. is going to be chasing rings, and I'm not sure his fastest path to one is through Cincinnati. <laughs> and number two, the, I think the Bengals learned their lesson uh, a couple years ago that, that paying over 30 defensive linemen lots and lots of money isn't maybe the best course of action. Yes. Uh, we saw with Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins as both of their careers in Cincinnati appear to be over. Want to get you an update before we get to some off-season stuff with the draft and maybe some free agent moves and things like that. What's the latest on the QB one? Where is Joe at with his rehab process, and does it feel is there a feel good vibe around where he is right now? Uh, yeah, I haven't talked to, I haven't spoken with anyone uh, from the team since the Senior Bowl about Joe, but they were very encouraged. That was just a couple weeks ago. Uh, not a lot of info or status updates coming out of Joe's camp, but everything is is moving along faster than expected, positive. There have been no setbacks. Um, so that that's great news. They they thought if he was if he did as expected, he would be ready by the uh by the start of the regular season and, and the fact that as everyone kind of thought would be the case that Joe's gonna be pushing things, um it, it looks like he's gonna be he's he will be ready barring any setbacks for, for week one. Boy, they're really really good spot right now in the draft. It seems like now they got to hope some of these quarterbacks, you know, go ahead of them, or or teams want to come up and try to trade. You're, what is your gut here that that Sewell is their guy? I know Slater has certainly been rated fairly high. Uh, I told Maddie the other day that if Sewell gets taken and they don't feel like Slater is in his neighborhood, but he probably is, that they shouldn't reach for need there at five. Do you anticipate that they will make that pick even if Sewell is gone? Uh, I, I no, I don't think they would take Slater at five. I think the, the option, if Sewell's gone, I think the option there is trading back or going in a different direction. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sold that they're they're all in on Sewell either. I, there's still a, a 
lot of time between now and the draft. They they want to look into this. I don't I don't think that they're viewing him the way some fans are as the next Anthony Munoz and a can't miss prospect. He's su- certainly loaded with talent, but this team's number one priority in free agency is going to be signing a starting tackle, starting caliber tackle, uh, so that you don't go into the draft, you know, having to pigeonhole yourself. So I. I I think it's more likely we see them go skill. I, I really think wide receiver is going to be that pick at number five or a trade back. And then, um, you know, maybe they, they go with a cornerback and then address a tackle early with that, with that number 38 pick. It would be a lot of fun. I mean, that that would be a, a ton of fun. If you talk about not taking a tackle there, maybe going to playmaker specifically, a wide receiver there because everybody, you know, unfortunately in Buckeye Nation knows about Devontae Smith and all that, but there's a ton of good wide receivers there maybe that they could go with. And with Higgins and Boyd already in the mix, you throw somebody else out there, that could really give defenses a lot of fits, especially with Joe there. Is there a receiver that you think would be worthy of that pick there if they don't go tackle? Uh, yeah, I've already done my first mock draft, and I had him taking Jamar Chase from LSU, reuniting with Joe Burrow. I mean, the the one nick in Joe's game last year was the deep ball, and he had an incredible deep ball connection with, with Jamar Chase at LSU. And obviously it's a lot different going against college defenses than pros. But you bring that guy in where they've already got a connection and, and Joe's got everything else working well and ascending and getting comfortable with the offense, this this offense could really be something special. That's that's the one thing they were lacking last year. Uh, you get Joe Mixon back. Um, it, it's just it, I, I, this team has always kind of been enamored with with skill receiver guys or with, with skill position guys in the first round. Um, I, I think that John Ross, you know, going undersized as great as Devontae Smith his season was. I think his size is gonna is gonna scare the Bengals away a little bit. Um, if, if Jamar Chase is there, I think he's the guy. Very interesting. I agree. And Ross certainly came in with, with injury history. And this kid, mm-hmm. Devontae, 170-plus pounds or whatever he is. I agree, you know, durability would be a concern. But we saw him up close, you know, against Ohio State. And it, it's hard not to be like, my goodness, this dude could wreck a game. And you put him with Boyd and Higgins and him. And if they can find, like you say, a tackle in free agency and feel good about it because – I was going to ask you this, you know, when, when Burrow went down, and it was, it was a football play, you know, Jordan on the left side got bull rushed, and then it kind of spun the defender into a planted leg where Joe is stepping in. It really could have happened to anyone uh, on any really given play, but it, it freaked everyone out. Like, see, I told you, the Bengals just, the offensive line is a sieve, and they couldn't protect him, and now they got their franchise guy injured. And I'm wondering from your standpoint, Jay, are they going to be kind of in that mode of if Sewell is there at five, we have to take him because of what just happened, or do you, do you think not if Sewell is there? Well, I, it depends on who and what they get in free agency, and you know maybe maybe they they go get Joe Tooney and, and they mm-hmm. they spend their their big money on a guard and then do kind of force themselves into taking a tackle early in the draft. But I don't think that's going to be the way they go. And and you're right, that, that play that where Joe got hurt, that could have happened at, to anyone at any time. But it was just the fact that it was it was an ongoing thing all year mm-hmm. where he was getting hit and pressured over and over. And you just felt like 
that the dam was going to break at some point. And it, it was a shame because he, they really, the offense was really clicking and it seemed like they were starting to do some good things. And you would have loved to have seen Joe get a full season in and, and have him kind of hit the ground running going into year two. But um, I, I think that they, they knew they were going to have to fix that offensive line even before that injury happened. And um, this, it, it just cemented the fact that they've got to go out and really try to get a starting guard and tackle in free agency and then still make it a priority in the draft as well. Just maybe not at number five. Yeah, and I think where you look at some of these NFL teams around the league and how they're built when they just have so many – weapons for their quarterback that he can go to and really make things tough for a defense wanted to ask you staying on offense about how, how does the team feel about their tight end position right now because you had drew sample out there last year and cj uzama has been a guy that's popped up in certain spots and do done some good things but it feels to me like outside of the tyler eifert run when he was healthy and available and playing there's something there that they could get a little bit more juice from do they is there anything that you're hearing as far as maybe they want to address a tight end somewhere in the draft or free agency i'm not sure that's the the area they want to go yet yes they want to upgrade that position but they've got so many other needs right now i think that would be more of a luxury like a kyle pitts um our guy dane brugler at the athletic has them he mocked kyle, kyle pitts to the to Bengals at number five don't think we're going to see that there's there's just too is as dynamic as that guy is and how much he could help this offense there's just too many other needs i, I think tight end is something that they address next year they really like cj a lot he he had a great connection with joe it only lasted two games obviously before he got hurt uh, drew sample was improving neither one of those guys like you said are going to be that that dynamic up the seam huge red zone threat that tyler eifert was but when you've got all these other weapons you don't really need that um i i, I think that a big playmaking tight end will be more in the plans for 2022 as opposed to this year all right, final one, Jay, and we'll do this one in the final minute here. The Joe Mixon mystery to me, it was really odd. Like he started, you know, the first six games. He had the big game against the Jags. A lot of his productivity in the first, you know, half a dozen games came in that game, and then it just was waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, I know they want him to come back healthy. He's got a contract. Is he going to still be the focal point of this offense? Yeah, he will be. They they expect him to be fully healthy. That's that's the reason that he didn't come back is they found a little more damage in there than they initially thought, and it was a, a case of could he have played? Yes, but would he have been risking long-term or possibly even permanent damage? Yes. So the team wasn't going anywhere. Shut him down. Make sure he's 100% healthy coming into 2021. We don't know that for sure. We haven't talked to Joe. Don't know the medicals on him yet. But that was the expectation by shutting him down and letting that, that foot completely heal. And when they do that, yeah, he's he was thrilled when they signed Frank Pollock, the, the offensive line coach. Frank was here for one year in 2018, and he was thrilled to get him back, as were a number of the offensive linemen. And they've given Frank the run game coordinator title as well as offensive line coach. There's, there's a lot of optimism about, about this running game. And it's not going to be – just totally Joe Mixon. They're going to use Giovanni Bernard, too. But, yeah, Joe Mixon is going to be the focal point of the running game. Great stuff with Jay Morrison. He's the Bengals beat writer for The Athletic. Jay, be well. Have a good weekend. Thanks for all that. Okay, sure. Great talking to you guys. Thanks, you Jay. as well. Jay was on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fangus hotline. Gio actually ran really well yeah. for the rest of the year. He really he was, a, he was a guy that really surprised on an offense that, you know, I didn't expect it to happen when Mixon went out. Yeah. And, but – 
He he may have started me, and I think you and I have always been there on if one of those weapons should be there, if the quarterbacks start going, Devontae or Jamar Chase, we're going to have that argument all before the draft. Yeah. And then you throw Sewell in there. I think he made a great point. Their priority may be let's be, let's be able to take a swing at one of those high-skill guys for Burrow, but let's make sure we get a big dude in the offseason then, free agent-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's then you check both boxes, and then you won't be unless their grade on Sewell is just so off the chart that you just you can't pass on him if he's there. But it'll depend on what what strategy they take going into the draft. So so tempting, yeah. so tempting to put together an offense if you mm-hmm. add a Jamar Chase, if you add a Devontae Smith, kind of like a kid. You got to eat your vegetables first, though. <laughs> I still think I'm going to stay in the camp of protect Joe Burrow at all costs. Maybe you find a number two, number three receiver mm-hmm. in the later round. So I'll still be in that camp for <laughs> now, but I'm with I you know. that they don't need to force it. But my goodness, could you imagine those playmakers with the way Joe spins that rock? Be scary. When will Ben Roethlisberger meet with the Steelers? He said it wasn't about money. So what's taking so long? Rothman and Ice on the fan. The undisputed leader in talking about nothing. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Hey. It's time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, NFL two-minute drill. J.J. Watt making headlines. Announced that he asked for and received his release from the Houston Texans. Went over a lot with his career, and now he's coming into this season. And, boy, I know CB is salivating. He wants this need and this box checked, and Miles Garrett is there as certainly one of the top dudes at his position. Vernon, I think, is going to be an FA, correct, CB? That's but correct, he, yes. And he's coming he's off got an Achilles anyway. injury. Yeah. yeah, the torn Achilles that happened in the final game. So here comes JJ. Here he comes. 31 years old. As Matty likes to say, the, the, not only maybe the back nine of his career, maybe he's on hole 16 and a half. He's in the fairway at 16, maybe. Yeah, right. Uh, so what kind of deal does he want? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, the Browns have good cap space. If, if money is the factor, Cleveland can be in the mix. They can get a seat at the table. Money ain't a thing? What do you think? I mean, now well, this is no longer me asking CB about what draft capital you'd pick up. It takes a that you'd give up. It takes a big problem off the table. Yeah, it's just about the coin now. And look, I kind of threw out Indy, and you kind of pushed back a little bit because you didn't want to stick it to the fan, or he wouldn't want to stick it to the fans. But would he want to stick it to his brother twice a year? Is that something he would want to do? I don't think so. Yeah. No, it makes football sense, though. Mm -hmm. It it really does, especially when you guys bring up Vernon and him dealing with that Achilles injury. And I think if we ask a lot of Browns fans, do you absolutely want Olivier Vernon back anyway? If he was healthy, CB, what would your answer be? I would rather upgrade. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So, And I think J.J. Watt could be that guy we talked about earlier in the week. I think McShay's mock draft had them taking a defensive lineman, too. So I think anywhere they go on defense would be great. But, yeah, you get J.J. Watt in the building, especially with Miles Garrett drawing up those double teams. That uh, that works for me all day long. So I wouldn't be shocked because I think they are kind of in that contender-ish yeah. realm that he could look at, and that could be attractive for him. 
That's got to be the biggest thing for him. That has to be. He saw his career coming to a close in Houston. He wants to salvage what he has left. Yeah. So, I, yes, I agree. If he could hand pick it, he'd want to play with his with his bros. He'd want to go with the Watt boys, right? Derek's yep. there too. Yep. So, but Pittsburgh can't make this work. They're thirty million over the cap. Right. And by the way, he's not. They got Bud Dupree. Mm-hmm. They've got Juju Cam. Yeah, they got guys that they need to to sign as well. So I don't know. They, they, they're going to have a lot of issues re-signing their own guys, let alone J.J. Watt for whatever he's going to be asking. And I don't think playing against his brothers is the biggest problem in the world. I think his priority is where can I maximize the rest of my career and have a chance to win a ring, and that is going to be in probably Green Bay, Tennessee, Buffalo, Indy, potentially Dallas, that would be it for me. What about I don't, my I, Baltimore Ravens? They need you, divine help. Matt Judon's on his way out the building. You pair him with Calais Campbell. They're in pretty decent shape cap-wise. I think they're in that contender-ish realm, too. That's a, that should be a little attractive mm-hmm. for them. I don't, I, you tell me. I don't know why they're not being considered. No, I'm just saying, like, all these no. teams I think w- would be attractive to them. We're just pretty much naming all the playoff teams, the teams that we think are mm-hmm. going to have a chance to compete deep in the playoffs. Like, he should be considering all of them. Like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if he goes to any of these teams that can make it work financially, especially with Pittsburgh. That's a question mark to me because I said it earlier. Mm-hmm. I think J.J. should sit back and wait to see how some of these quarterback moves are made, what that looks like first. What does Big Ben want to do? He mm-hmm. does this all the time. Uh, I don't know if I should retire. Uh, I don't know if I got it anymore. Like I'm almost mm-hmm. done with him. Get him out. You're almost done with him. Get yeah. him out. Get Big Ben out of here. Um, the contract decision is, is coming, and Roethlisberger has not met with them. He said he's ready to restructure. So what's the holdup? Who knows? He's got the big. He's got the the forty one million dollar cap hit. He's got a he's got a restructure. So this is going to come before March nineteenth, and the Steelers have to pay him a roster bonus. So this story will start to pick up speed very soon, I imagine. But he's not met with them yet. All right, boys. Checkers on a Friday. That's it, man. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Buckeye basketball game. Enjoy the Jackets. We'll come back on Monday and recap it all. Have a great, safe weekend. Rothman and Ice on the fan.